You're listening to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. I love to run, period. You can always run faster. Forever, you're going to feel something. You're going to run into roadblocks, but that's also going to teach you how to handle things in life. I don't think we want to be like rocks where we're not accepted by anything. It's not maybe a physical thing, but it's a mental thing. There's like two voices in me, alpha and beta. Really trying to do is just keep moving forward. Every single runner knows what that means. My life has a purpose, and maybe it's not what I thought it was going to be, but I think that that does help me. There's a lot of people that have different gifts, and they don't use it. I think if we all use our gifts, we could do something really special, not for ourselves, but for our family. If we're really good, we could do something for our community. Wherever we live. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's your host, Mario Fraioli, and this week, for the second time in 2023, I sat down with my good friend and two-time podcast guest, Simon Freeman, who is the co-founder, editor, and publisher of my favorite running magazine, Like the Wind. Every few months, Simon and I have a conversation about a particular topic in running, which gets recorded, transcribed, and published as an excerpt in the latest issue of the magazine. We did the same for issue number 36, which comes out on June 1st, and you'll get to listen to the entire thing in just a few minutes. In this one, Simon and I talk all about coaching, our experiences with being coached and what we got out of them, the different forms that coaching takes, the impact a coach can have on an athlete, and a lot more. Before we get into it, I'd like to thank my longtime partner, Tracksmith, for their continued support, which helped make this episode possible. The brand's spring collection features a colorful refresh of some of my favorite training staples, including the Twilight Tank, which is my go-to for racing and when I want to run fast. It's incredibly lightweight, subtly designed, and super breathable. I've worn a version of it for years and will be rocking it this summer at the aptly named Tracksmith Twilight 5000 in San Francisco and or Oakland. I'm not not sure if I'm going to be racing or pacing those events yet, but I will definitely be at both of them. Whether you're stepping down in distance from a spring marathon, focusing on lowering your 5K personal best this summer, or just trying to improve your speed before a fall half marathon or marathon training cycle, these races bring out the best of the running community, competition, camaraderie, and fast times under the lights, no matter how fast you're trying to go. You can find the full 18-city schedule at tracksmith.com slash Mario. Also, if you buy anything on tracksmith.com and you're doing so for the first time, use the code Mario New, that's M A R I O, capital N, capital E, capital W, to save $15 on your order of $75 or more. If you're already a Tracksmith customer, use the code Mario Give, that's Mario, capital G, capital I, capital V, capital E, and you can get free shipping on your next order, and 5% of your purchase will go to support the Friendly House in Worcester, Massachusetts which is an organization that is near and dear to me. Okay, and that's all I've got for the intro. Please enjoy my conversation about coaching with my good friend, Simon Freeman. Well, again, having a conversation with... uh one of my favorite people uh, and I, I was super happy that we have the opportunity to talk about 
coaching because um as we were just discussing a few moments ago i'm uh i've got all excited about running a marathon again and the last time i ran a marathon i actually had a coach and um i was thinking about what that meant for me you know as a as a runner and what i got got out of it and and um why it felt so important and um so like when the opportunity came up to talk to you i just thought well this is an ideal um an ideal opportunity because you're a coach and um imagine you've been coached oh i've in your been time. coached by a number of great mentors starting in college really with karen bowen who was my cross country and track coach for four years at Stonehill College. Actually, cross country for the last two, track for all four. And I've said this in other places. Aside from my parents, probably the most influential person in my life. I think that's how how powerful a relationship with a coach can be. And then after college, I was fortunate to be in a few situations where I got to work with some great coaches that I learned a lot from and really helped me to, to shape my own perspective as, as a coach. And, and looking back now, um, it's always easier to connect the dots in retrospect, right? Uh, I can look at those experiences that I had, namely with a guy named Kevin Curtin, who was my coach with New Balance Boston. Um, when I went to Actually, before that, I ran for the Boston Athletic Association. And there's a guy named Mike Peroni who was the the club coach, but John Mortimer, who eventually was the coach at Boston College, who was still an athlete at that time. And he was kind of the player coach of our group. And he ran at Michigan. He was great steeplechaser, four-minute miler, all of that. Learned a lot from him. And then a few years later, when I worked at the competitor group, one of my colleagues was Alan Culpepper, who was right. a US Olympian and just one of the most you know, consistent performers of, of all time. And now the coach of Hoka Northern Arizona elite. But at the time he was just dipping his feet into the coaching world, working with a few individual athletes. I was one of his first athletes. He was working in events at competitor group and doing some, some coaching stuff on the side. And uh, that was another tremendous opportunity for me just to, to learn. And some of the things that I learned from, from him and all the other coaches that I've worked with have just helped to give me the perspective that I have today when I work with my own athletes. That's really interesting. Is it like listening to you? I feel like, I feel like that guy who married his childhood sweetheart. <laughs> I've like only ever had one coach. Um, and, and it's really interesting because I don't have a, there's no, uh, I can't compare. So, so, so my story was that I won the opportunity, um, well, I'd run, I'd been to Paris to, for the marathon mm-hmm. and my wife, Julie, was running London and I can't remember what I ran in Paris. I think I ran like 246, something like that. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was something like, yeah, 246, 247. And I was super happy, but I was stuck. And there was this competition and you won the opportunity to go and have a consultation with this guy called Bud Baldaro, who... He's a bit of a legendary coach, um, coached Hannah England, you know, has a good, has a great reputation. And I was like, this is brilliant. So I went to the expo with Julie for her to pick up her number in London. And I was going to get this, you know, 10 minutes with this guy. And actually, all I really wanted to know is whether he'd coach me. <laughs> and he just very grumpy, just said, no, 
I'm not coaching you. I've got time. <laughs> but he said, but you should go and talk to this other fella that I know called Nick Anderson. Go and talk to him, who also happened to be at the London Marathon Expo. And I went and found him and said, Bud Baldara says he won't coach me, will you? <laughs> and that was, and he was the only guy that ever coached me. And But so I've got like no comparison. I mean, I had sports teachers at school, but it wasn't what you'd call coaching. And mm. I didn't run at university. I played rugby, same deal, really. You know, it wasn't the same relationship. Um, so it's really interesting that I guess you've got this ability through your running career to like compare and contrast how different people, you know, worked with you as an athlete. And then you can apply that. I, I don't have that. Um, but I definitely, it, it, like one of my questions that I was really curious about is what, what you felt like, why do people, why do people want to coach? I know why I wanted a coach. I wanted someone to tell me how to run sub 245. Like it was pretty binary. Um, when, when you were, what was your kind of reasoning? What was your thinking? As an athlete? Yeah. Well, when I was in high school, I ran cross country for my last two years, um, originally to keep in shape for basketball. And I showed some talent in it and eventually ran track and, you know, I've been on this path of competitive running ever since. And the coach of our high school team was a very nice guy and someone I'm still friendly with to this day, who was the custodian at the school but was a recreational runner. And really he showed up every afternoon uh, and sent us out on a run, but we never did workouts or, or anything like that and entered us in the races that we needed to be entered in. And that was my first exposure to, to running coaching. I'd played team sports before that. Sure. And at the time, I was really curious about how one should train for running because I didn't feel that I was getting that instruction from him. Whereas in team sports, there was a strategy involved. There were drills that we did skills that we worked on. I knew that had to be a component of it. And I started doing a lot of research on my own in the library at our school and in early days of, I shouldn't say early days of the internet. I guess the internet had been a thing, but this is late 1990s. The internet wasn't what it is now, but would would search for whatever information that that I could find to to self-educate. And yeah. I've I've been on that path ever since, but I I didn't have great coaching in in high school. And then when I went to college, for me, it wasn't so much about the coach. I really chose the school that I went to one because of its proximity to home. It was only about an hour away. And two, mm -hmm. based on the athletes that were on the team, I, I knew that I could run on, on the team. And I, I didn't really know much about the coaches, even though I had interacted with them. And okay. so I went in with, with that mindset that, okay, there's going to be a coach and we're going to go to practice and I'm going to do what the coach tells me to do. They're going to enter us in races, but I really didn't think much of it beyond that. And it wasn't until probably about a year in where I had this one coach for cross country and he was a very nice guy, but it was just clear to me, like my, my BS detector went off it. Even though this guy's been here for a long time, 
and, and started the program. He has no idea what he's doing. I mean, he, he would literally read something in runner's world and say, we're going to try this this week. And it just didn't have my confidence and trust. But then later my freshman year, when I started running track, this woman, Karen Bowen was my coach. And Mm -hmm. for the first time as a runner, I, I started trusting the coach and listening to what she had to say, because as a parent to me from my initial interactions with her, that she knew the sport, she knew what it took to be a competitive athlete because she was one herself. She had a background in sports science and could explain why we were doing the things that we were doing. And for the first time in a coach athlete relationship as a runner, she had my full trust and I would run through a wall for that woman. If she told me, Mario, you're going to run as fast as you can into that brick wall because it's going to help you to become a better runner. I I would have done it. No questions asked. Um, And that was a really um, major turning point for me um, as, as an athlete and trusting a coach for the first time and really learning a lot from her. Yes. About the X's and O's of, of running, but she also just cared so much for, for me and the rest of my teammates as, as people. And we just weren't names on a roster and people who were going to score points for the team. We were students on top of athletes. We were someone else's kids. Um, you know, we were, we were, you know, trying to figure out our place in life in our, our late teens, you know, early twenties. And she really took this holistic approach to, to working with us. And it had a major impact on me. And I, I didn't say it explicitly at the time, but I was like, Oh, this, like, this is a, a noble profession. And this would be a really cool way to spend your working hours is, is working with, with people and helping them along this competitive path of, of training and racing. Yes. But helping them understand how that fits into the bigger picture of, of their life. And, um, this is a very long winded, winded answer to your question, but I mean, that, that was really, um, some of the, the biggest, earliest, um, and most impactful experiences that I had as an athlete with a coach. It's brilliant. I love hearing about this. I mean, it's funny when you said about the trusting. So when I was introduced to to Nick Anderson, we, we went and had a coffee and I said to him, I'll, I'll do exactly what you tell me for a year. <laughs> like literally exactly what you tell me for a year. I think we started working together in the, it was in the fall. I'm going to say it was like in the August. And in the November, I went to Florence and ran 243. I was like, bloody hell. And, and, and it's, you know, the trust thing is so important. Like if you, if you think that this person's pulling my leg, it, it'll never work because you, you'll, you, they'll ask you to do something that is either that you don't want to do, which could be not as much as you want sometimes or more than you want. And you'll just think, oh, I'm not going to, I don't trust them. I won't do that. Um, and the other thing that's really curious that I, cause I'd never had that experience is obviously if you want to be on the, on the track and field team or the cross country team at school, high school or college, the coach is the coach, right? You can't, yeah. your choice is yep. you don't have deal choice. with the coach or, or leave the team. Exactly. Um, 
And 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 I think what's really interesting because I never was I like I had a rugby coach, but but from a running perspective at school there was nothing. It was just a bloke, you know, to blow with a whistle. Um, but then, but we're now in this world of adult coaching, aren't we? Where we're sort of I chose to work with Nick. He presumably had, there was a degree of him choosing to work with me. But if it hadn't worked, I, I could have left. I could have gone to someone else. I could have mm. whatever. And and I think that again is this sort of idea of. So why do you think, or presumably you, you have a pretty good idea of why athletes then come to you as a coach? Like, what do you, do you get a sense of what they want out of that relationship? It depends on the athlete. There are many who have the same mentality that you did when they're stuck at a certain time or or in this place, and they want to break through, and they feel like they've exhausted all of their other options. So they bring in a coach to help them get where it is that they want to go. I think that's a a major driver of it. I think there are a lot of new runners who are coming into the sport that are overwhelmed with information that they find online and elsewhere and really want to find someone that they can trust to help them make sense of it all and just put them on the path to where it is that they want to go. There's another type of athlete who is very experienced, has been coached, or maybe is even a coach themselves, who doesn't want to think about what it is they have to do the next morning and wants to work with someone that they trust who has their best interests in mind. And they, not that they're following it blindly, but they, they see what the workout is and they just don't have to think about, oh, should I do a tempo run today or a track session? Should I run? you know, 14 miles or, or 18 miles, uh, they're just going to look at what the program says and trust the person that they've, that they've hired to create it for them and, and just do it. So it just takes, takes away some of that brain work that I think paralyzes a, a lot of runners. And then there's another aspect too. I mean, we've been talking sort of about one-on-one individual coaching, which is a lot of what I do, but then there's also group situations. So I, I've been coaching the Golden Gate Triathlon Club's run program here in San Francisco for the past seven years. And I don't coach any of those athletes one-on-one where I write their entire weekly schedule. We're checking in with each other multiple times per week, having pre-race chats, post-race debriefs, all that sort of thing. But we're meeting for workouts once a week throughout the year. We have goal races for the team. We have quarterly clinics, things that we do. But for a a lot of those athletes, they really are looking for, I don't think necessarily my coaching, but they're looking for a group to train with because they know that they need to do more than just go and run easy. They don't know you know, where to start and, or they just don't want to do it on their own. So they, they join a club, whether it's the triathlon club I coach or, or many running clubs, they may or may not do their homework. I really don't know the the numbers on this and see who coaches the program. And if it feels like a, a good fit for them, then, you know, it really helps to enhance their running experience. So, I mean, there's, there's that aspect of it too. It's a different type of of coaching where they know they're going to get some guidance once a week. They know when they show up to the track on Wednesday night that they're going to 
you know, they're going to push themselves, but they don't have that, you know, one-on-one super involved, intimate relationship with a coach where every day is, is laid out and they, and they frankly don't need that. They just need a place to go every week and a little bit of instruction and they're sort of, you know, on their way. So I think coaching takes different forms, I, I guess, is what I'm trying to, is what I'm trying to get at. And they're, are different arrangements that are going to work for different types of people. And then there's also going to be athletes who don't necessarily need a coach in any capacity, whether it's a a one-on-one virtual type of relationship or someone that they meet at the track with every week and they're just fine. Yeah. That's, and that's a really interesting, um, that's a, that's a really interesting. What, one of the things that I was also curious about is, you know, in my limited experience, Hiring a coach is not a silver bullet. That's not the answer to you know. It it it's it's part of a much bigger puzzle. I mean, do you do you get the sense? I guess not with your athletes, but do you, do you have a sort of sense that there are people who really oughtn't to be with a coach, or and they're just basically wasting their time and money? It, 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 you know, what's the sort of do you, do you ever have any experience that where you just think this is you just you just don't need this, or you're the wrong person? Yeah, I, I've had that conversations with athletes uh, that I've worked with, um, and really? you know, it's a, it's on a case by case basis. I do think some of those athletes look at a coach as a silver bullet. Okay, yeah. I'm stuck at three hours for the marathon. I'm going to hire this coach, and after twelve weeks or however long, I'm going to be at two fifty five marathoner. And you make a very good point. It it doesn't work that way. There are no silver bullets. You you know. You could say, I'm going to go buy the fanciest pair of shoes. I'm going to go buy the latest nutrition. I'm going to do, you know, X, Y, and, and, and Z. And they look at coaching the the same way. And that's, and that's not how it works. And I think yeah. a good coach isn't in it for that. I mean, yes, you want to help the athlete get where they want to go, but it has to be a good fit for, for both sides. And I've had, I've had athletes who have hired me to coach them and then just you know, for what for whatever reason, whether it's they didn't trust me, maybe laziness, too much going on in their lives, they just they weren't doing what I was assigning them. And yeah. I just told them, like, you're wasting your money. Like, why are why are you paying me to write out this program for you if you're not going to follow it? And the program's only one part of the the relationship, but I've run into that before. Um for me with the one-on-one coaching that I do, a lot of it virtual communication is a huge key. There has to be a lot of communication because you're not seeing these people on a regular basis. You're not at the track with them, watching them run. You can't see how fatigued they are when they're running. So there has to be a regular stream of communication so that you know how the athlete's feeling. You can adjust their training accordingly, keep all of those things in mind when you're making decisions, but they can also get that feedback from you as a coach of, is this going well? Is it not going well? you know, should we make some adjustments, um, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. And I've, I've had athletes who I've told from the get go, like, look, communication is a two way street and it's key to making this relationship work. Cause I do think at its core, this is a coach athlete relationship and, you know, relationships rely on communication to, to thrive and survive. So I've had athletes that just weren't communicative and, you know, I didn't feel like I could do my job well, because I wasn't getting what I needed for them. And I just had to be honest with them, you know, ab- yeah. about that. Um, you know, so, you know, and, and then the other part of it is, 
is that trust piece. And and that may be the first part that we should talk about. It's like, if you're going to hire a coach and pay them to write your training schedule, to guide you along this journey, you have to trust them even, and especially when they tell you what you don't want to hear. I mean, that that's part of it. Um, you're not hiring the coach to, or you shouldn't be hiring a coach to just, you know, reinforce what it is that you're already doing. Um, I think that's a, I think that's just like a waste of money and it's disrespectful to the coach. If a coach is doing their job, well, they're, you know, they're going to tell you, you need to run a little bit less, or I think you're dogging it a little bit. We need to push things a little bit more. And you may not like to hear that, but you know, they should be doing it with your best interests in mind. And, you know, that's important. And I've, I've, you know, had athletes who didn't like what I, what I had to tell them. Um, I'm just being honest, you know, from, from my standpoint in those situations, it hasn't really, hasn't really worked out well because they hired me with this expectation that I was going to tell them A, B, and C. And I told them X, Y, and Z instead. And they just, they just weren't open to it. Like that, those lines of communication weren't open that, that trust, wasn't, wasn't quite there. And without that, you're not really going to get anywhere. You're just going to keep running into the same roadblocks. And, you know, that's frustrating for both sides. And I've had to step in, in those types of situations and say, Hey, I just, I just don't think this is, this is working out really well. Um, and, and that's unfortunate, but it, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, and all of this is super interesting. I'm, I'm sort of, one of the things that, um, that that struck me when when you were just talking there about you know before we were before we started recording about you know your your plans for Boston and it's it's really fascinating like Nick um, that coached me was formidable I remember we ran a half marathon together like I, he scheduled one in and then he said which one are you doing I told him which race I was doing. he was like oh I'm going to come and do it as well and he's you know. Yeah, I, I couldn't keep up. Like he's a formidable athlete. It's a really interesting kind of dynamic. Um, I don't think you need, I don't think you need your coach to be someone that's run a, you know, an Olympic standard marathon in order to be able to teach you how to run a better marathon, even if you're actually trying to get to an Olympic standard marathon yourself. Um, but, but, but just really interesting how. The trust, I think the trust thing comes from lots and lots of different areas. And and I guess one of them is is sort of knowing that your coach is sort of prepared to to uh eat their own dog food, I think is the is the phrase. Um so yeah, it's really the the I think if you boiled it down to anything, it's it's trust, isn't it? Because I mean, I guess uh, I do you think there's any coaches that are kind of writing programs that are so spectacularly different that that they're doing you know something utterly unique or is everyone pretty much doing a version of the same thing for their athletes yeah i i'm always weary of anyone who thinks they they've discovered something you know new i mean just to use a, a a recent example and this isn't a put the onus on, on any one coach, but, you know, in the competitive running world right now, there's a lot of hype around double threshold training and that the Ingerbritsons really brought this to the forefront or the Norwegians as a whole. Cause, um, I think the triathletes get a lot of credit with that and, you know, lactate monitoring and, and all of that. And as if it's this, as if it's this new thing that's never been done before. And, on a recent episode of 
my podcast, I had a conversation with Coach Mark Coogan, who is the head of New Balance Boston Elite, had a couple Olympians on the last U.S. team, was an Olympian himself, sub-four-minute miler. And he's like, I was doing that stuff in the 1990s. We just didn't call it that. Um, he's like, it, yeah. it kind of happened it happened by, you know, by accident. And um, I'm just always weary because especially with you know, we'll, we'll just say the traditional distances, like middle distances all the way up to the marathon. I mean, it's pretty well established what you need to do in order to race those distances successfully. And and the mix is going to be a little bit different for, for everyone, but I mean, I'd argue there hasn't been anything revolutionary in the last couple of decades that has really change the game in terms of, in terms of training. Um, you know, I do think oftentimes it goes in cycles and, you know, what is, uh, what is old becomes new again, as kind of Mark was, Mark was explaining, but, but no, I don't think there's anyone out there who has any secrets that aren't available to, to everyone else. And and that's not to say that programming isn't important because um, you can really screw it up if you don't get the the mix right. I mean, I think that's where experience um, really comes into play is having worked with enough athletes and enough types of athletes to, to know what to look for, you know, when you're writing out training, how much recovery someone might need versus someone else, how much volume they can handle, how much intensity they can handle. I mean, that mix is going to be a little bit different for everyone. But I mean, I think the, you know, the, the core pillars have been in place for, you know, for a long time. It's just the window dressing gets changed every once in a while. Yeah. I loved, I saw a documentary years back on, on father Colm McConnell in, in Iten, And he, and he's talking to the interviewer and he says, well, you know, not a lot of people want to hear this, but you know what the secret is? There's no secret. <laughs> and it's like, it, it it's almost, yeah, it's almost sort of uh for some people I imagine that's actually quite a hard tough pill to swallow it's like no no just especially I mean I guess if you are at Ingebrigtsen level or something then you're probably mucking about at the very margins of you're trying to do sure. things sort of but for most of us mortals it's not you know it's not very complicated right no I mean there there's a lot of low-hanging fruit I think that many runners just fail to grab that's going to help them improve one of it's just running more you know running more frequently increasing your volume another big one for age group athletes especially is just slowing down your easy runs i mean Mm -hmm. most age group athletes that i know are running too hard on their their easy days they're also running their workouts too hard and that isn't i mean that's eventually going to cause you to to plateau i mean one thing that Mark talked about and gave language to something that I learned years ago and have believed is this philosophy of B plus workouts, basically not trying to hit home runs every time that you're, you're doing a a workout or, you know, maxing yourself out with every session, finishing, feeling like you could do another couple of reps, um, and, and keeping that ball rolling, you know, over the course of like 10 to 12 weeks, it's that consistency is key. I mean, as cliche as that is, and as much as it gets hammered in your head, it's so, it's so true. I mean, I've never known a a great runner and a great runner isn't just an Olympian. I mean, there are great age group runners as well who hasn't got there without nailing the, the fundamentals. Um, 
and goes to recovery. I mean, everyone wants to buy boots or buy a supplement or, you know, find some quick fix. that's going to help them recover faster. No, like get enough sleep at night. If you get enough sleep at night, I mean, that's going to be the number one thing that you can do to, to recover and help your body repair itself between key sessions. But I mean, this is a battle I fight with age group athletes all the time. They're like, ah, I'm just, I'm so beat up. I'm like, yeah, you're sleeping five or six hours a night. It's just not enough. Like, you yeah. know, with the, with the training load that you're trying to undertake, I mean, you know, so it's not about, you know, should you buy these boots or do you need to track X, Y, and Z? It's like, you need to just get more sleep. I think nutrition's a big part of it as well is, is eating well. I mean, you know, thinking of yourself as a high performance machine. Well, if you're, if you're trying to be a high performance machine and you're constantly filling the tank with, with bad gas, it's not going to run very well. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, this is all like pretty simple stuff and it's fundamental. Um, but it's not sexy. I mean, people don't want to hear it. it doesn't sell well. Right. So it's like in the media and in the, in the commercial world, like stuff needs to sell. So people come up with things that are, you know, novel in, in some way, a revolutionary, a breakthrough and like 99% of it's BS. I mean, that's just the, yeah. the honest to God truth. Um, and yeah. I think any coach worth their salt, every coach that I've ever worked with. And, you know, aside from my own experiences as, as an athlete working with some great coaches, I mean, I've been fortunate in my professional career to spend a lot of time around some of the best coaches in the world. I've had them on my podcast. I've sat in on their, their practices and there are more similarities there than there are differences. And, you know, most of the stuff that these athletes are doing to achieve success on a, on a day-to-day basis in their training and how they live their life um, is available to, to everyone. I mean, not everyone's going to be an Olympian or a world beater. I mean, there are, you know, limitations that, you know, that we all have, um, but I, I do think like most of the stuff that contributes to improvement in running is, is pretty much available to everyone and is fairly, is fairly straightforward. Um, doesn't mean it's easy to execute on, um, but you know, it, it takes time. And I think especially in today's world, we're, we're kind of instant everything. I mean, you know, instant gratification, <laughs> instant gratification, instant food delivery, Instagram. I mean, everything's like instant, instant, instant. That's not how distance running works. I mean, it, no. it doesn't work. It'll never, it'll never work that way. You're not going to become a three hour marathon or overnight. Like you've got to commit to it. You've got to commit to the lifestyle. You've got to put in the work. You've got to ride the roller coaster and it's going to take time. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, the number one thing I have to tell frustrated athletes because, you know, maybe they came to me and they, they didn't hit their marathon PR in, in 12 weeks. And you gotta say, that's okay. I mean, it's just, it's, this is going to take time. It's a, you know, it's a process and, um, yeah, I'll leave my, my little rant at, I'll leave my little no, no, rant it's at good. that. Good. I love it. It's what we're here for. Yeah. I, it's funny when you're talking about that, I remember uh, I've been running about, so I started running just after I turned 30 mm-hmm. and um, I don't, I don't really talk about this very much, but basically I was living a pretty unhealthy lifestyle and I quit smoking and drinking and eating crap and, and, um, started running basically to lose weight and just got bitten by the bug. Anyway, about four years. So I was about four years after I'd started running. Um, and I ran a half marathon. I can't, I have no idea why I ran, but I wasn't, I wasn't like, at the very it wasn't a very competitive half marathon i was in the top 30 so i was walking i went to the to the baggage tent right and because i was in the top 30 there weren't a whole lot of people around so the fella that got my bag he he was 
probably he was 80 if he was a day. And he said to me, how'd you get on, son? And I said, oh, you know, I told him whatever I'd done. And he said, oh, you happy with that? And I said, yeah, yeah, you know. He said, you've been running long? I said, no, about four years. And he went, eight years is when you'll peak. And I thought, you daft old, what's it? Like, I was just like, what are you talking about? And I just politely said, thank you. That's great. Took my bag. Off I went. Very happy. And I ran my marathon PB pretty much eight years to the day that I started running. And his whole, what this guy was saying was, it just takes time. There's no shortcuts. It's just going to take, you know, years of like layering it up, I suppose. There's no better way of, of uh, and, and, and and actually this is why I'm sort of annoyed with myself now because we were talking earlier about the fact that I've signed up for a marathon, first marathon in six years. Um I'm absolutely pumped and I'm running, you know, now I'm trying to build up the mileage because I know that I've got, I've only got nine months um, and I'm kicking myself because, you, you know, being inconsistent for six years means I'm almost back to to the start. And I, and I don't have eight years from now, <laughs> truthfully, I'll be like of pensionable age. So I've got to just be a little bit, um, uh, you know, careful about that but yeah the slow steady stuff is 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 absolutely key for sure yeah two things one comment one question the comment is that is truth from the guy who handed you your bag great wisdom on his part i think it was a coaching clinic that i went to hosted by jack daniels or it may have been an online lecture by joe v hill or some other coach that I, I watched and learned from, but they said it takes six years to build a runner. And I don't think there's an exact number there, but the point is it takes a while. It's not going to happen in three months or six months. You can see improvement in that time, but you know, this is a long game and yeah. you know, those years of training really, really, you know, build upon themselves. And it doesn't mean that you know, after six years or eight years, like that's as good as you're going to be. I mean, some more improvement can happen there, but it takes that long to really, you know, build the foundation and build your, you know, aerobic system and gain experience with different training methodologies, learning about your body, racing. Uh, I think athletes should race a wide variety of of distances and just mm-hmm. and just gaining, you know, that experience and building those tools that are really going to, you know, help you to become the athlete that you're you're capable of becoming. So that's my comment. My my question for you is in your experience when you hired coach Anderson to guide you. What were your expectations? You'd said how you wanted him to help you break through that 246 marathon barrier that you couldn't seem to to get through, but like when you, when, when you went into that relationship and started working with him, what were your expectations as an athlete? I mean, that's a great question. And actually, um, and, and I, and I never said this to him at the time. Um, I thought he was going to just introduce something that I'd never thought of. I, I, I thought he was going to say, do this. And that's going to suddenly be like the unlock. And I knew, and I knew, I wasn't so naive as to think that there was not going to be a lot of hard work involved. And I realized that there, it's not just, you know, sign up with this guy and suddenly you'll wake up the next morning as a more fully rounded and and, and better athlete. But I did actually think there was going to be something 
that he was going to say do this and it was going to be you know dramatic that was it yeah and and actually that was why that me saying to him i'll do exactly what you tell me for a year was so important because i figured if if after a year nothing's really changed then okay then all right it's fine it was an experiment it didn't work it doesn't matter sort of thing um so i honestly and i've thought about this a lot i don't really know what happened and it wasn't a year it was i think we started working in the in the autumn august say and in november i went around florence and i ran 243 and not three minutes off i got through that 245 barrier which was important for getting a good for age and um, not a good for age a championship spot in london which was you know a big target um and i and i really honestly couldn't put my finger on what it was that there were then later on a few things that he introduced that i wouldn't have ever thought of like certain particularly around longer runs where he would have me do a longer run with something in the middle that i would have i just assumed that you just always just went out and ran for 20 miles at a steady pace and you know that was it but that was probably him trying to squeeze the best out of you know an old inexperienced older runner um and they worked magnificently but yeah that first period i don't know there wasn't really so my expectations were sort of somewhat um were somewhat dashed because i thought he was going to give me this yeah magic thing but then i was lucky i guess that i saw a result pretty quickly like i saw i i I was like, oh, amazing. Went to Florence, pouring rain on my own. You know, crossed the finish line and was just like, wow, what just happened? Like I never expected to knock six minutes off at that stage um, with only, yeah, probably less than four months coaching. Um, so, uh, yeah, I didn't get what I expected. <laughs> Well, beyond him helping you to break through that 245 barrier and, and set a, a personal best, I mean, that's a very easy thing to like wrap your head around. You were here and now you're here. So you've, you've seen improvement. So beyond like those few minutes of time that you took off of, of your marathon, what other benefits, if any, did the coaching provider what did it open your eyes to if anything else so there was one very practical thing which is i lived in north london nick lived in north london and pretty soon after i started working with him he said look there's a track up in north london i'm gonna offer anyone that i coach to come and we'll do a session i think it was on a tuesday night um and it will be closed. It will only be for the athletes that I coach, but I'm not going to, I'm not asking you to pay you're like you pay your whatever two quid entry to the track, but you're not yeah. paying me. Um, and I'm just going to put these sessions on and they were absolute rocket fuel. Like they were unbelievable. I'd never had that experience before. I, I ran for a club and someone would say on a Thursday, let's go to the track and we'll do Yasso 800s or something, but there was no structural point. Like, we didn't, I didn't know why we were doing it. It was just right. felt like the right thing to do. Those sessions with Nick were amazing. And everyone, like, and he, he, the group that went, there was a, there was a group of guys and girls, men, yeah, men and women 
all of whom were trying to run between 2.45 and 2.30. Yeah, I don't think there was anyone that was going to be much quicker than 2.30, but it was in that. So it, it, it was perfect. It was brilliant. Like we'd just do all these sessions together and really get kind of lock in on them. And, you know, sometimes North London can be pretty grotty weather-wise. You know, you turn up on the you, – you look out the window and pour in with rain, freezing cold. You think, oh, God. and if left to my own devices, I might have just thought, oh, I'll just go to the gym and do a run on the treadmill or or wrap up warm and just go out for a, a run. Um, but because I knew that the group was going to be there at the track, you went and I would do sessions like amazing stuff, like I never thought I was capable of. So that was one very practical thing. Um, the other thing was that Nick was, was pretty was pretty good on the sort of mental side of approaching racing like he was he would sit down with all of the athletes that he coached before their races and talk through the you know the the mental approach um and and i loved racing i love racing actually and i know that there are other people within that group who just would found it really scary so i i know that nick would give them completely different advice to the advice that he'd give me i was i loved it i was sort of i i couldn't i couldn't wait i thought that the coat the training was only um only in order to end up on the start line of a race i think for other people maybe the training was the thing that they enjoyed and the racing was sort of a bit um you know they stressful didn't, they didn't, right yeah a bit, a bit stressful um so i remember nick giving me advice you know, two days out about how to, how to approach a race. Um, very like when I ran my PB, he said to me, I'm going to be on the course, but I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to be. And if I see you looking at your watch, I'm going to jump in and knock you out <laughs> or something along those lines, because he knew that I was like obsessed with it. I always like looking right. at my watch and he, he said, you've got this, you know, you don't need to worry about that. Just, just enjoy the race for the sake of racing, you know, pick, pick the guy in front and go after him or her and when you get them when you catch them go after the next one and, and race it like a like a race you know and you'll get and and you know london marathon you come around the corner onto the mall in front of buckingham palace super iconic finish looked up at the clock and i was like oh my god you know never thought i'd be being at that stage um you know with having launched our business i was working all hours and it, you know brilliant so Two two things. Sorry, long winded answer. No, it, it's a great answer. Um, and I mean, Nick just sounds like a great coach. And I've always viewed a coach's role. I think I wrote about this for like the wind some issues back as a co co pilot. Um, yeah. That's really I think what a, a coach is because when you're racing, you've got the wheel. The coach isn't going to run the race for you. Um, he or she can't can't do that, nor should they try to do that. I mean, not to go off on too much of a side tangent, it drives me absolutely batty when I see coaches, mostly in local races, because bigger ones don't let you get away with it, who will try to like follow their athlete the entire way, like on a bike or on a bicycle. Yeah. You know, yeah. across. It's like, it's like, like you got to let it go. Um, and I think like that's a coach's role is to, is to be an experienced co-pilot and let you have the wheel and hit the gas, but to help keep things in perspective for you, like, Hey, you know, before a race, here's how we should approach this from, you know, maybe a pacing standpoint, but also the mental side of things. Cause if you don't have that coach and you're trying to do it all yourself, I mean, 
a lot of athletes can't get over, can't get out of their own head about it. So like having that outside perspective is, is huge or, you know, in training, um, you know, we all have ups and downs. Uh, we all have hard workouts and, and how many of us have just like put too much emphasis on, you know, one workout and said like, I'm just, I'm not fit. It's not, ha- it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. not happening. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do this every week, you know, where I'm just providing perspective for people. It's like, Hey, it's one workout and, you know, let's peel back the layers a little bit. Uh, you didn't sleep much last night cause your kid was sick. Uh, work has been super stressful. You've been traveling a lot. Um, you know, not saying that those are excuses, but just kind of putting that workout into context. And I think objectively, like a person knows, okay, I've got all these things going on that may or may not affect the workout, but until someone from the outside helps them to really like see that and, and appreciate it, they, they really can't. I think that's where, you know, aside from the X's and O's of it, I think that's where a coach can really come in and, and provide that you know, just provide that perspective or help keep things, you know, in perspective. So it's more than just about the training plan. And, you know, that goes back to the the question that I, I asked you about what were your expectations going into working with Nick? Cause that's the first question I ask a, a new athlete. Um, one of the first questions that I ask a new athlete, um, first question I ask is how can I help you? And then once we further get into the conversation, it's like, what are your expectations for me as your coach? And that, and that's really, been a a fascinating exercise because the answers are all over the place. I mean, there are some people who seek out a coach and really all they want is a a training plan. Um, And then there are other athletes who want that frequent communication, want the feedback after, you know, their, their key sessions want to talk once a week to, to kind of go through things. And I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it, but it's just interesting. And I think important to understand what the athlete's expectations are. And, you know, I think that um, speaking for for myself and in my own experiences, like asking that question and like just being very clear on the get go, like what their expectations of me are, and then and then also, um, you know, I want them to know what my expectations of of them are. So it's like we're very clear about what this relationship needs to be because I do think um, just having worked with so many athletes and and interacted with them and talked like not everyone's expectations of a coach are exactly the same. So I think that's a, an important thing to, you know, just kind of, um, cover from, you know, from the very, from the very get go. Yeah. It's interesting. And I mean, you know, you, as, as always, you're a brilliant questioner and you've asked a question that suddenly just made me think. I think that in my experience with one coach, but I, but I'm absolutely sure it's the same with you. I don't think the athletes always always necessarily know what their expectations are. You know, there, yeah, like if, if Nick had asked me, if Nick had asked me, I'd have said, "Well, a coaching, a training programs, you know, like write write down the sessions that I need to do to get to two forty five. Yeah. I'm I'm fairly sure that with Nick, and I'm absolutely sure the same is true with you. That you look at that athlete and you think, mm-hmm, "I know that's what you think you need." Yeah, but actually, but actually, and and. I don't know. It's interesting. It's fascinating. All of this is, I wonder whether, uh, this is almost blasphemy, but I wonder whether I could have gone and got a training program out of, you know, Fitzinger and Douglas or something, but hung on to the way Nick talked to me, the the, the, the sort of psychological side and still got the same result. I, I, I almost wonder like if you had to trade one off, like you had to not have one, you would kind of, I personally, I think I would definitely say, well, 
the training, yeah, I totally agree with you. I love the fact that I used to get up and, and, and you know, I'd, I'd, my session would just be in my, my calendar. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to negotiate with myself. I just was like, bum, that's what I'm doing. I love that. That's really important to me still. And I'll be doing that for Valencia f- for sure at the end of this year. I don't want to have to negotiate with whether I should be doing threshold. Like, just do it. It's in the diary. But I wonder, actually, now you've just asked that question, I'm thinking, if I'd been more experienced as a runner, I guess, I would have probably said, well, actually, what I'm really looking for is how to get my head in the right place mm-hmm. to, to be the best runner I can be. Because the if I have to choose, I'll choose that over the the weekly schedule that's been written out. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you want both. You get both from a great coach. But um, but that's really yeah, that's a really fascinating question. Yeah, you have I I think you you have to you have to have both. Um, you know, if you think of coaches outside of the running domain, like what does a business coach do? I mean, they're not writing the, I don't think they're writing the business plan necessarily for the, <laughs> hope they're not. You know, for the owner. <laughs> I hope not, but it's like, they're helping to provide that perspective. Right. And, and I mean, I have a couple athletes that, that like I, I, I coach, I'll use that word. Maybe mentor is a, a better word who, who are experienced and they write their own schedule. And they they bounce it off of me, and I'll give them some insight as to what I I think, or maybe how they should change it if if we need to change it at all. But you know, we talk like once a week or or every other week, and like we definitely like talk about the training, but it's a lot more of that perspective giving and just and just having, um, or or for them like having me be a, a sounding board or sometimes a sponge. Um, they just need to like un- unload some stuff. So I think that's, you know, I think that's important. And I think that's, um, a, a, a major role of a coach. I mean, I have a lot of young coaches who come to me and, and I always, I kind of get a kick out of this and, and their mindset is what they want to know. What book should I read? What courses should I take? What certifications do I, I need to get? And it's like, all right, that knowledge is important. Like you need to know like what you're doing, but that's a, I think like just a, a piece of the puzzle. Um, a big part of it is like, again, coaching is a relationship relationship involves two people it involves trust. It involves communication. That's a, that's a two way street. Those are skills that, you know, a, a good coach has to develop. And I mean, I think, the best coaches, not just the most recognizable coaches, the best coaches, whether they're youth coaches who you will never hear of, club coaches, individual coaches, um, collegiate coaches, or all the way up to to the pros, um, they they have those skills. They know how to interact with and relate to their their athletes. Doesn't mean they won't screw it up from time to time. I mean, I certainly have too. Uh, but I mean, that's a that's a huge part of it. Um, you know, is being able to be an active participant in that you know in that relationship. And again, like if you could be the smartest person in the world, write the most perfect looking training plan. If you don't have that athlete's trust and that belief. Um, and those important elements doesn't matter how good the training plan is. It, it really, it really doesn't matter. I mean, some people might just need the training plan. You know, they don't need that that other person. And if you know, if that's the case, you could save a lot of money each month um, and just buy the training plan and follow it. You know, follow it to a T. You know, if you trust who it's coming from, and you're you're like, okay, this is what I I need to do. But I think most people um, seeking out coaching, they think what they want is the the training plan, and what they don't realize that they need is so much more than than that because you can find the training plan almost anywhere yeah exactly i think that that's a perfect 
kind of wrap up to this whole conversation because I'm I'm a hundred percent utterly convinced. I think it's the I think you're you're right, and that self awareness of the role that you have in an athlete's life is is probably what makes you such a great coach. And and Nick, I'm sure Nick was the same. Like he 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 knew what he was doing. <laughs> I didn't know what he was doing, but he knew what he was doing. Um, so I think that that's a yeah. It, well, it, it it's possibly slightly misunderstood, and I think that this is a really good conversation to just explore. You know that you know there's more to it. I, I think you're right. I think I think coaching is misunderstood and probably warrants an even longer conversation. And we can wrap this up. I have one question for you yeah. before we go. So you're training for your first marathon in six years. You're going to run Valencia here in December. I'm curious. Why have you elected to not seek out coaching in preparing for this race? Oh, that is a really good question. Well, the truthful answer, which I'm slightly embarrassed to say, is that I think I wanted to give myself the flexibility to not, uh, to not commit to to not to not give this race the the commitment that it that that it probably deserves if you see what i mean like what's happened is that i have uh become enormously frustrated with myself so i'm still i'm like i've been running like loads Mm. but just running without a purpose and then picking this almost plucking it out well not really plucking it out of thin air because obviously you and i are in a very similar situation in that we both work in the running world, right? So I look at my calendar for this year and it is a nightmare. Like it's, I mean, it's a wonderful, it's wonderful, but it's just full. Like it's crazy how suddenly it's it's relentless. I'm, you know, I'm going to be in London. I'm going to be at the UTMB. I'm going to be at the New York marathon. I'm going to be at the world championships in, in, in Budapest. I'm, you know, and I look at it and I think, so Valencia was picked because, it's on the 3rd of December and I kind of figured that everything else, all of my other commitments will be, will be out of the way. So at least the few weeks before the race, I can sort of just focus a hundred percent on, on, on me, but I'm also, because I'm trying to build the business and I'm so excited about what we're doing. I, I kind of, I think if I'm honest, I wanted to give myself an out. And if I engaged a coach, I would feel obliged because that person's putting in the effort that I need to, I can't turn around and say, um, you know what, it's all got a bit, it's all got a bit much actually. Uh, and I'm, I'm either going to go and jog around or I'm not even going to go at all. So that's probably why I didn't now, interestingly, just after a, a three or four weeks of running every day and really enjoying it and being on the roads. I live in a, I live in a place where it's very easy to access the trails, um, not so easy to to run on the roads like it's really hilly basically but i've just been out every day sometimes just 5k easy at the end of the day some longer runs there's a I, you know there's a really beautiful lake near here and i can run along the lake shore which is obviously dead flat i've been thoroughly getting into it um so as we talked about earlier i've i think i've almost substituted reaching out and finding a coach for speaking to a friend a mutual friend of ours who who is a bit of a monster and said to him can you be my accountability partner i'm not asking him for coaching 
he's a lunatic. I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I figure a combination of a training plan and an accountability partner kind of in the aggregate yeah. almost gets me there. Um, but what I've got, and I, I need to be careful, I'm 47. I, I get overly enthusiastic about things, uh, lots of things. I'm also, you know, I'm 47. But in my head, I'm thinking this is the start of a, of a, of a six-year, like falling in love with marathons again. And I'm absolutely convinced that if I go to Valencia and I enjoy it, I have a good time, I hit a time I'm not horribly embarrassed by, I'll immediately lock into, okay, now now I want to see what I can do. Before the foundation's been... The foundation's yeah. been laid and you can build off of that. I love it, man. That's so the great. so the long-winded answer was to give myself an out. And I'm sort of slightly embarrassed to say that. Um, but I'm feeling now like I'm not going to need an out. I'll f- let's finish up with one question back at you then, because I'm this is I'm super curious. <laughs> okay. We we're just gonna keep going until midnight. We'll just keep asking each other questions. You're going to Boston. Mm-hmm. You're in great form. Mm-hmm. How does the coach coach himself? <laughs> I mean, you said it earlier, and I, I really try to just practice what I preach, eat my own dog food, so to so right. to speak. And I mean, I had a call with my athletes this past weekend that are running Boston. I've got 12 of them who will will also be competing. And this will be my sixth Boston uh, racing it. I've been there numerous other times for it. I know how exciting and overwhelming of a weekend it is. There's so much going on from Friday through Monday. You could easily get swept up and consumed by it. And I definitely can being someone who works in this industry, you know, having a lot of athletes, but also, um, brand partnerships and, and all of that. And I told my athletes, they need to enjoy the experience. I mean, that's, a huge accomplishment for a lot of them to get to Boston. They've been working to working toward it for a long time. I want them to like soak it all in and enjoy the experience, but I don't want them to become overwhelmed by it to the point where they're exhausted when they get to the start line on Monday. Cause I've seen that happen to a lot of people. So I'm trying to, to practice that advice myself. I'm going to go into the city on Saturday. I'm going to get my bib. I've got one commitment, a couple people that I need to see, and then I'm, I'm out of there and Brilliant. I'm going to go, um, just lay low at my, my dad's house. He happens to live close and just, you know, sit tight until the race starts on, on Monday. And, you know, that's, that's me just like practicing what I preach to my own athletes. But, you know, I also, you know, as, um, someone who is still competing and my athletes know that, I mean, I, I want to be the example to them as well. I'm like, I, I can't ask you to do, you know, A, B and C if I'm not willing to do it myself. And, and I think that's, you know, I think that's really important. And at least in, in my own situation, because I don't think every coach has to still be competing or have that, that yeah. background, but in, in my own situation right now, I feel like that just helps strengthen that trust and help strengthen the athletes belief in me. Cause they're like, okay, like if, uh, you know, if, if, Mario tells me to do this and he's going to do it himself, then, you know, I'm, I should be wise to like follow his advice and experience. Like he's been, he's been around the block a few times, you know, and, and he knows, he knows what he's doing. So, I mean, it's really just trying to be, you know, be the example for my own athletes who are, you know, who are going to be there and and being honest with myself about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So Simon. 
this has been super fun. Uh, I As enjoy always. these quarterly conversations with you and I look forward to the next one. Brilliant. Thanks, Mario. All right, that's it for this one. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. If you could, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're tuning into this from. It means a lot to me, and it helps new listeners to discover the show. Also, a big thank you to my annual partners, Tracksmith, New Balance, Precision Fuel and Hydration, and Gooder for making it possible. Check out themorningshakeout.com slash partners to take advantage of some of the discount codes and special offers that are available exclusively to readers and listeners of The Morning Shakeout. Before we go, I'd like to give a couple more quick shout-outs. The first to John Summerford, who has edited and produced every episode of the podcast since we launched it in late 2017. He's the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. The second goes to Chris Douglas, who is my right-hand man and helps manage partner relationships. And last but not least, Nicole Bush, who gives me a hand with social media content strategy and creation and is my co-host for Training Talk Thursday, which you can tune into on Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Morning Shakeout's Instagram account, which you can find at the AM Shakeout. And that's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of the Morning Shakeout Podcast. <laughs>